Sí, cosas que yo sé ahora es muy loco, ¿ok? Gente... Welcome everyone, you're listening to KUCR here on 88.3 FM, also streaming online at KUCR.org. This is Daniel with the D-Report. Today I'll get an opportunity to revisit a conversation on parenting with Terrence Stewart and David Chavez. We will share our thoughts regarding this moment of COVID-19 and the current national movements to end police brutality and advocate for healthier, safer communities. Before we begin our conversation, Terrence and David, can you introduce yourself, please? Hello, my name is Terrence Stewart. Um, I'm a statewide director for a nonprofit called Time Done, California Safety and Justice Time Done Project. Um, I'm a father, you know, an advocate and a husband, and that's what I am. Yes, uh, thank you again for having me, Danny. Um, my name is David Chavez. I'm currently a adjunct professor, a part-time professor at Pasadena City College, and I'm also a, a PhD candidate in the Department of History at the University of California, Riverside. I do my research on the history of policing in Los Angeles, specifically youth policing in the 20th century, and I am also a full-time parent uh, to two little ones and uh, yeah, that's my that's why. Today, I was hoping we could share a conversation uh, that we've been really uh, been able to kind of run for a couple of years. You, myself, and a, and a few other fathers, uh, we've had an opportunity to really be very candid in, in our philosophies about fatherhood, our perspectives as people that are engaged in the world, trying to kind of make sense of this balancing act of thinking about the things we do outside the home and how we also have to become loving people with the people we care about. Having said that, as an update, I think we, we find ourselves really kind of concerned that this moment in time is, is putting extra pressure to us. COVID-19 is something that last year we didn't have to deal with. And the current political uprisings, I would say they're not new. They're something that many of us have been engaged with that struggle for a long time, yet uh, the current mobilization movements, they're, they're sparking new conversations with our loved ones, and particularly our children. How do you balance that aspect of being engaged with politics, things we care about, while knowing that there is a translation, something that changes when we interact with our children? I, I think, like, for one, um, when it comes down to the change, you know, um, I mean, it happened real sudden. I mean, it kind of did, but it was weird. It was timing. The timing was, like, I don't want to say awkward, but it was just, like, kind of, like, right on time. It was, like, uh, my daughter went to school until uh, until spring break, and then when, when spring break started, that's when they gave the COVID update. So she really didn't miss no school. And then like, it was a week. Within that one week, 
um, after spring break, that same week they were passing out um, tablets, and the rest of her school year was taught from home, was distant learning. That's the, that was the term for it. So, you know, that was pretty, you know, it pretty happened pretty fast. And, um, but, you know, the best thing about it was that my daughter was homeschooled for, for, for a few years. We talked about that previously. So it really wasn't too much of a shock because she had been homeschooled before. Her going back to learning at home really wasn't too much different. Only thing different was like the, the, the programs because they gave us a computer and, you know, they had classes where it'd be her and her classmates and the teacher all learning together. So school kind of changed in that aspect. I'm kind of concerned my son would be four. He's four now, but he'll be next year. I wonder how school will be for him going into kindergarten. I think that might be kind of awkward. But, you know, um, that's really my concern. With my daughter, um, you know, well, I took her to one of the, the um, parade protests, like, you know, where it really wasn't, was peaceful. I took her there and, um, you know, let her you know, be with the chance and everything and, um, you know, try to be as, as explaining as possible as I can, you know, because, you know, she lives in this world, but try not to scare her too much and, like, let her be somewhat conscious, but I don't, I, I, I just really be sometimes concerned about, um, like, you know, her friends or what their parents are, and, you know, I don't, I don't never really want nobody else's parents or, like, their kids to get caught off into, like, you know, different politics where they ain't got nothing to do with them per se, you know, so that would be some of my concern, but um, I don't think you can never run from racism, so it's just preparing her for it, but not facing her as no racist, you know. David, your thoughts on how you're balancing being engaged with, you know, COVID-19 as a pressing health concern and also the mass mobilizations, the mass uprisings against police brutality in respect to how we interact with our children. How do we translate how do we caretake? How do we manage all of that? And Terrence, uh, so good to have you. And thank you so much for, you know, starting off the conversation in a good way like that. So for me to, to answer the question of like how it's parenting is um, with both the, with the COVID crisis and, and right now the, the mass mobilization that is really sparking these last few weeks and in, in response to the really decades, if not centuries of anti- anti-black police violence or anti-black uh, state violence um, and just the conditions of, uh, of law enforcement in the community. So in the, in the first one with COVID it's uh, it's, it's been a lot. Yeah. As a parent of a, of a seven-year-old um, similar to, to what Terrence was talking about. It's, it's, uh, it's was just kind of going right into the online format here for our school district here in Pasadena. And the school gave us a, a uh, laptop and we started right away doing school and, and they don't do synchronous or like same time classes. It was really more of like a correspondence type of course. The, the teachers gave all of us and, and for, 
for my child who's in the second grade gave us like packets of work to do and like a whole schedule as well as like this Chromebook that had all of this uh this the software and support to uh, to do different types of work so it was a lot. It was just going into teaching mode. It was like, okay, I'm going to be a teacher now <laughs> at my job, my part-time job, and then also my full-time job at home to do that. And um, as well as having to do childcare, um, I have a three-year-old or not three-year-old, but he's about to turn three in uh, on, uh, on Saturday. And we had childcare. We had a Montessori school that we were going to, but that also closed right away. So it's like the, the big balance of having to do both, having to teach and then also do uh child care for a very small child and it's just been a lot the first few months it was uh it was like a big it was a big uh it was a big um transition it was almost like i was kind of in shock as a parent like what do i do i just went into the mode of like all right i'm gonna just try to push through and and do all of this but it's it's been better recently uh, with school year ending and now we're in summer so it's just trying to find things to occupy these kids and help them out. And also to um, to ensure that learning is happening at the home in a good way. And also to just let my, my especially my seven-year-old, like express themselves, like of really missing their their classmates and, and knowing that it's not, we can't really replace that or replicate that here and trying to really support them both emotionally with everything. And just being honest, like, you know, we have to wear masks now, COVID-19 is uh is a is a global pandemic there's people that are getting sick and so my little my seven-year-old's often saying you know make sure you have your mask we don't want to get it we don't want to get it so i'm also just trying to make sure she doesn't have too much fear but also to understand the implications of this um and what it means and then in this in the second the latter part the the current uprisings uh that are happening um i've been trying to, to, we both as parents, me and my partner have both been trying to ensure that my daughter kind of knows what's going on. We are, we live in a, in a predominantly people of color community, but in particular, um, the, the part of Pasadena that we stay in is uh, as a historically black community that was segregated in the like 1920s and 30s. And so a lot of her classmates are, are black and African-American. And so she, and and our and our principal at our school was black and some of the some of the other staff and stuff so when we when we try to explain this to my daughter about you know what's exactly happening it's been um she takes it kind of you know she takes it very personally she understands like that she has friends that are that are black and people that she she spends time with um and so she really just wants to she's like it's just she's she's also upset about how things are going and um, we're trying to do the best we can to say that you know we that's the reason that people are out in the street and, and doing this to try to change these um, these inequities and this violence. And we um, we went on two marches. Uh, we did a car march as a family. Um, we drove here in the city, and also um, we did a walking march. Me and my daughter. We went out there over here in the Altadena area, and we did a, a community march too. And and just trying to be cautious with all the um, COVID and social distancing practices, but. Yeah, um, similar to to Terrence, it was a it was a very peaceful and powerful march, and I think the main reason it was peaceful is because there was little police there. There wasn't law enforcement there, um, instigating or or trying to to start something. So, so yeah, I mean it's it's definitely been a lot, and trying to as a parent put these kind of both of these things together and and translate them for for our little ones and for my little one. So it's been uh, 
just a task of like kind of daily tasks, especially as these things continue to unravel. And looking forward to what's going to happen in the fall for school, I'm, as a parent, I'm still very concerned about sending my kid back to school at all. Um, we don't have, for our district, there's not a big push for testing. Um, it's just really like we're going to clean stuff and and have social and maybe have less people in class but i'm like how are you going to do this with elementary school age students it's going to be very difficult to to monitor this even with high school students you know there's it'd be hard to to do this and definitely call i mean with that with looking at the examples of people <laughs> protesting for you know adults protesting to have to wear a mask and all those videos we see of people like ignoring social distancing roles there's uh there's a lot of like worry that opening up the schools will will just make this uh, a huge second wave in the fall of infections. And uh, for us, as at our home, my partner is on the higher risk level because of their um, because of their asthma. So yeah, that's where I'm kind of at. Terrence and David, thank you for sharing. As I heard both of you, I was thinking about how this conversation. I, I think we've had about three or four of them recurring and I feel very fortunate to have an opportunity to to talk about these things uh, with both of you. I feel that there's this moment of um, similarity in our experiences. One of the things that I catch is the way that we've been careful to manage our concern for our families and our concern to stay engaged in the the world that we care about, the the way that we want to be agents of transformation, um, but at the same time have this concern for this internal safe space of, of loving people, as particular little loving people, our children. And one of the things that I remember about COVID as a term is the way that it started like a domino effect, these little doors or or gates started popping up one after the other. But in particular, I remember a, a Friday, I think it was March 13th, and I was with my daughter. Um, I had gone to campus and it was school shutting down. I think LA had had a couple moments of um, of concern where the stores started get, uh, showing stress, you know, that like uh, they weren't able to keep the demand or for like toilet paper, water and goods. But uh, the point that I'm trying to express is that Riverside, I kept on saying, oh, we're good here, even though I was getting calls from my family, like, are you okay over there? And, and I'm going, no, Riverside is chill. There's nothing happening. But that Friday, I went and I did a, a quick run. I think they were baking or something, and they wanted peanut butter. So I couldn't get peanut butter at the one, the small mom and pop store because they didn't have any. And then I went to the big box store, and I did find it. But it, I, I noticed that it, there was a lot of people in there and I, and I could see their faces. It, it's really weird because I, I feel that I was like that odd person because there I am getting uh, baking goods. I think I got like peanut butter, some uh, powdered chocolate, sugar. And I'm in line with these random objects and everybody around me is getting tons of goods. And as I walk out of the big box store, I'm seeing people literally running in. And it hits me like, oh my goodness, this is... This is going down. This is happening. So then the next morning, which at the point is Saturday, I wake up early, like at 630 and I go to my local grocery store. And to my surprise, there's people in line already. And at that point, I start worrying because I'm like, are we ready for something this big? You know, and I, when I say, are we ready? 
uh, my first concern, I was thinking like literally my household. And then later, you know, and then I, I thought about like a larger we. And one of the things that I, I was hoping we could talk about is that moment of concern. I can generally, it doesn't feel good to say it, but I was scared. I was scared that like, is this going to be something that I'm not ready for? That I won't be able to caretake um, one at home. We, uh, I had a little baby. You know, she's like at that time, she's like a month or two months old. And then my 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 older daughter, you know, she's older. She's like 13. She can definitely help out. But I'm, I'm scared at that moment. I'm realizing, like, who do I have that I can reach out? And I reached out to both of you and you both kind of bounced back. So it was a supportive moment of knowing, hey, we got each other. But, you know, is there, was there that moment where you felt a little bit of concern that was unexpected? For me, it was a couple of turning points that really realized it. I think the weekend before, or March 7th, it was my son's birthday. And, um, like, you know, everybody was talking about it. And um, I threw him a party at uh, Chuck E. Cheese. And, um, you know, some people showed up and some people didn't. You know, and, um, like, you know, it was like the big thing was COVID. And it was like, you know, at that time, they were saying there was people who was flying from abroad and, you know, uh, older people who got it. I'm like, you know, the joke was, like, that it ain't in San Bernardino. You know what I mean? Chuck E. Cheese in San Bernardino. Now, if it was that other rat, Mickey Mouse, then we'd be worried about them. But, like, not nah, Chuck E. Cheese. You know, it, we were just joking about it. And then, um, you know, like, that was, like, the last weekend that Chuck E. Cheese was open, you know? And it was like, wow, man. And then um, another thing that really, really hit me was uh, when the Lakers, um, they, 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 cut, they, 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 they stopped the basketball season. When they start cutting off basketball seasons and stuff like that, like, and that's when it, um, it started getting real for me. And then, like you said, the same thing with um, – but the grocery stores, like at first, when I first went there, I, everybody was talking about toilet tissue. I see the jokes and the memes on Facebook, but it's not till you go to the store yourself till you realize, like, oh, shoot. And the way people were acting in the stores, like, you know, you, people was not talking, like, you know, everybody was so scared of each other. You couldn't see people's faces because it's covered with a mask, but you could look in the eyes. And people were terrified grabbing stuff and, you know, just, just, it was so much, um, like you could feel it in the air, you know, and, um, me, you know, I, at first, you know, I, my, my kids still don't go to the grocery store, you know, like, um, I was keeping my, um, family, like I'll be the only one that was going to the grocery store for, I go in, I take the light saw spray off, come back in the car, light saw spray off. Before I walk in the door of the house, lights all spray off, just trying to make sure every way that I wasn't bringing it home to the family, you know, spraying the grocery bag, lights all. Even like having that lights all was something because like people were like, where did you get it from? You know, and, and, I, and I got lucky because, you know, one of the people at Ralph's knew me and they had somebody try to get more than one uh of the saw and they said you can only buy a certain amount of them so that you have one under the um, register, and they, they let me buy that one. So, like, that's how I got it, you know? And so I lucked up on that, you know? And, um, 
everything just kind of like changed real, real quick. You know, it, um, it just got serious real quick. And uh, like every day was something new. And still to this day, like it, it ain't changed. It hasn't changed. Like as soon as you get kind of content with it, you think that you got things under control is like something new will happen. Like first it was like that, COVID. Then it was like um, the Arbery, then George Floyd. Then it's like massive protests. Now it's like lynching. Like it's just, it's just like you don't never know what what the next day gonna bring. It's so crazy, you know. Yeah, I think uh, I think Terrence really summed it up. And the fear, yeah. The I remember similarly on uh, on that Friday the 13th of March and, and I have, I went to a, on the day before that on the 12th, I went to an emergency meeting for our college and for us as staff about what's going to happen. And they said, all right, come in. But, and when I went to that, it was like, all right, everyone has to sit apart. And I was like, Oh shoot, this is really happening. I, it really caught me by surprise as someone who I, I consider myself very attuned to what's happening Politically, I was completely caught off guard. I was, it was just under the radar for me, or I was too caught up with other stuff that I didn't, wasn't really paying attention. And so on that, that, that week of March, uh, March 12th, when I went to this training about what's going to happen and they were suggesting, or they were telling us to be prepared for the head of the college or the college calling it like, we're going to close down campus. That's that same, that day on the 12th, I was like, oh man, I got to go to the store and like everyone else just see what I can get. And I went to like, I went to the, I think it's called like uh, the bargain outlet or grocery outlet to see what they had. And, and I went to target and wow, it was just, everyone was just getting everything. No paper towels, no toilet paper. Like everything was just gone. And I was like, is this really happening? It was very surreal to see it, to feel it happening in that moment. And from that day on, especially the first like month, it was um, similar to Terrence as me being the one who goes and does the shopping. It's uh, it's just been a, it's just been seeing how different it's been and, and trying to assure that I have stuff in the house and the the rumors going out that there were going to be a lockdown and there you weren't going to have access to anything. Like a like a military enforced lockdown and curfew where you had to stay in your home. And so everyone was just trying to grab everything. And I was like, all right, I need to just get beans and rice and we'll be okay. You know? Um, and yeah, with the cleaning products too, I was, everything was already wiped out. I still haven't had any Lysol this whole time. Uh, just, and you know, luckily the community kind of supported it. One of the things I did after like week two or week three, I created a little phone tree. Um, went around to my neighbors to see who wants to be involved in this uh, little like WhatsApp group. And I got about six of my neighbors to be involved in it. So we kind of check in with each other. One of the neighbors ended up who's a, they work for the, um, in the custodial services at a, for a, for a big company. And they, he gave me a, a thing of uh, hand sanitizer. He's like, here, don't worry about it. You know, you got it. You know, like, to be honest, like the community has been the biggest support during this whole process. And it's something you know, this idea of mutual aid is something that I've tried to, to get around, you know, here, like sharing resources and, and, you know, I've been a family that's been benefiting since the beginning from our school district, giving out lunches. I've gone almost every day to get lunches for my family to help with, uh, 
the cost now of, of making so many meals at home and yeah it's just been a it's just been really intense atmosphere this whole time it seems like it's kind of at this moment now you know already what march april may like three months into it it's just been uh it's been a, a big like shift i feel like people now are starting to relax a lot when in my opinion it's and like a lot of other people are saying it's like we're, these numbers are still happening and i and i and when this first thing that went down, I, I signed up right away for the LA County health updates and I get an email every day and I've gotten one every day since like the first, first day of this uh, crisis where I get updates of, of how many people, how many new cases are happening, how many new deaths. And it's just astonishing to see that it's still happening so much here in, uh, in LA County and that things people are kind of, people are really taking a lax to it. I see so many people without their masks on. I see so many people without uh, I'm not kind of paying attention to the precautions and, and yeah, it's just a, it's just a lot like to think about all that. And since similar to Terrence, it's like, yeah, it's this, this routine of having to wipe down all the groceries when I get home, taking off like all my clothes and changing right away and, and try to assure that I don't bring it home because it's just so, it's just so big of a, of an issue. Yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out kind of the next steps to, to do and, and, getting to a, a period where I feel like I can get control. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing for me is like trying to get control of the situation and having to realize that all the information gathering, all the websites, looking at all these websites on how COVID you get it, how you don't get it, looking at all these like research reports. Yeah. I needed to stop doing that for a little bit because it was, um, it was getting me to a point where like, I, I was trying to figure out how to solve this global pandemic. And I needed, I came to realize like I was just, I was just getting stressed out for it, something I can't control. Instead, I just needed to kind of focus more on the family and, and right here in the moment and, and do my best to, um, to know that this is where we're in it for a while. And it's been, and it's not going to be solved by more information for me as an individual. It's, but it's going to, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be the long haul to, uh, to ensure that our family is safe, you know. In our conversation, we've been really kind of jumping back and forth between these two major, yeah, these very significant uh, moments. You know, COVID nineteen as a global pandemic, um, it's just it's something that I, we hadn't planned for, and we've talked to our children about global warming, you know, climate change. These are big issues, but COVID nineteen as a pandemic is something that. I don't. I hadn't prepared for that conversation, and one of the things that I find um, difficult is that on top of that, we are now seeing a a very powerful moment throughout the United States, where communities are um, advocating in a very direct action way for police reform, police defunding, abolition of the police departments a bunch of creative formats of restructuring our society. And one of the things that I'm hoping we can talk about is the way that we we connect with our children's well-being, the way we talk to them, how do we read them, how do we know they're okay. And I express this out of this moment of reflection, going back to that COVID-19 reaction, when I said that I was scared, I was scared not for myself. I felt okay, you know, like... I had heard of people getting into fights at the at the stores and 
people were getting jumped. I wasn't scared about that. I was like, I got this. I'm, that's why I got up. I went early at 630 in the morning and, and I was surprised to find a line and, and to find a line of people that were telling me stories of how things got really difficult the day before, you know, that Friday. But I don't tell that to my daughter. You know, I don't tell her that. I, I show up with bags. She wakes up in the morning and I got a couple, whatever I could, and we would do breakfast. And then on Sunday, we're driving to L.A. and I got bags for, for her to take home. Of, of rice, beans, uh, toilet paper, a couple that I had here, you know, a couple rolls. And we're driving and it's gloomy. It's that the point is that his, here's what she says. She goes, Dad, this feels like one of those scary movie moments. And he, and I start laughing because we're into films. So I was like, I start naming all these movies and going like, yeah, it's just like that. And then it hits me. Wow. I wonder if that line was her telling me I'm scared. And I'm just telling her, like, hey, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. You know, and we get into L.A. and and everything is fine for that weekend. And and then, you know, we, we start that routine of her, like, not going to school and being uh, six hours in front of the computer. And at that point, I'm getting upset because I'm telling her, like, you don't have to do this. You know, like, I can write you a note. You don't have to be in front of this computer because I want you to take care of yourself. Don't be stressed out. You know, there's bigger things going on. And her response is like, no, no, I'm cool. And again, I'm talking to someone who's literally becoming a teenager this year. So maybe that's why it's different. But I was getting concerned because I was thinking to myself, am I not reading her concern? Am I not finding the right words to connect with her to tell her, hey, you can talk to me? Or am I not telling her the right thing so that she can know that this is a big deal and then when it comes down to the mass mobilization, um, I was going to pick her up that Monday, but there was a, a rally protest, um, that same one that you mentioned, uh, Terrence, here in Riverside. And I tell her, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to L.A. during that period because I'm not sure if we're going to be able to come back. And the point is that we, we start talking about it. And again, I'm checking in with her, like, are you OK? And I'm getting these like short answers of like, yeah, everything is OK. And the more I think about it is, is I'm talking to other friends and they go, yeah, my kids are okay. And I'm going to myself, am I the one that's overreacting or am I disconnected from not being able to see or understand how my children, our children are processing the moment? Is there a way to, that you've crafted or worked to connect with them so that you know that they're okay? You know, really... It's, it's happening so fast. You, you 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 try to the best of your ability for the age that they are. Like I said before, we took my we, my we, my family went to the protest, you know, and from there, you know, she knows all their names, and you know, and um, this ain't the first protest my daughter been at, you know, so. You know, Taylor been going to protests and stuff since she been about two. When they had the big one at the school for uh, the regent, you know, we was there. So it, it, it's a constant conversation. You know, uh, you, it gets more in depth at times, but. Um, you know, 
it's a, you, you talk to your children all the time. You know, sometimes it's just harder to have conversations because you don't know what to say. But if you attempt to and you, you know, just try to stay away from being to the point where you're people from self-hate, you know, is real. You know, it's enough to, it's enough to make you want to holler. You know, we keep from faith, you know, the faith in uh, God. Shoot. Yeah, because um, tomorrow ain't promised, and, you know, but, you know, a lot of the people who's being hurt and all that other stuff, you know, is elsewhere, and all you really got is who you got in front of you, and, you know, just try to provide a smile for on their face every day and be a trooper so they don't see you panic, so they don't panic. You know, if you have to put a little bit of more water in the beans, just put a little bit more water in the beans, you know. But, you know, you just um, keep your head up, you, you know, and, and tell your kids, man, you know, they were born for this moment, too. It's the reason why they're here, too. So I'll just say keep it real with your kids, man, as real as possible. Don't oversaturate nothing, but, you know, keep it real, you know, because they living in this world, too. As adults, you know, we care about ourselves, obviously, and our loved ones. And when we think about the children... How do you check in with them? The way I approach it is letting them know that there's a reason people are out here and that it's uh, it's that it's necessary for anything in this world to get better is that people have to act that staying silent or or um, or not talking about the issue is not gonna is not gonna solve it definitely and, and it's also not going to keep you away from it because um, all the stuff that's happening, it's going to come, can come to your doorstep at any moment, you know, um, whether it be you personally or a loved one in your life, get, you know, their life stolen by state violence. Um, and so I guess that's the biggest approach that I've had is, is the need to, is to, uh, that, to highlight the, the good that's happening in this and that people are, are standing up and that people are, are not just sitting silent and it's various types of peoples. It's, um, it's, it's not only for those who are directly impacted, you know, the families by themselves out there, uh, the families of, of George Floyd and, uh, Brianna Taylor, Tony McBride and, and, uh, you know, Ahmaud Arbery's family's not out there by themselves. Like there's a whole community and now a whole nation that is looking at them, but also then looking internally at what's happening here at the local level in their community too with all the uh, solidarity protests. And so I think that's kind of what I've been trying to say to, to um, my little one. And then also to that, um, trying to have them understand too around this health pandemic is that it's not gonna, it's not gonna be forever. That there, that there will be a, um, there will be a change coming and it's, and it's up to us though, to, to, to be as safe as possible and to, um, and to just be around each other in, in a good way and to really just be prepared for 
um, how we're going to move forward when this pandemic does end. What does it mean? Do we just continue to um, exist or continue to do things in a, in the same way? Are we going to change? So that's where uh, that's where I'm at. Terrence and David, I want to thank you for sharing this conversation with us today. Hey, thank you, Danny. Thank you, Terrence. It's always a pleasure, man. It seems like we didn't grow up on this show together. You know? Yeah. Um, you know <laughs> True what I mean? Um, that's real. You know? So, um, you know what I mean? Let's, we got to do this again. We're going to do this post-COVID. I feel very fortunate, very lucky to be able to kind of share these moments uh, with you. It's it's just, it's hard to find, you know, and I feel very lucky. So I want to thank you both, you know, for, for kind of giving me that opportunity to kind of like, not just share some thoughts, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, You've just finished hearing a conversation with Terrence Stewart, statewide director of the nonprofit organization Time Done, community organizer, scholar, activist, father, husband, and friend. You also heard David Chavez, historian, PhD candidate at UC Riverside, community activist, father, husband, and friend. Today, we shared a conversation on fatherhood and parenting. With respect to the global pressing COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the national uprising movements addressing the issue of police violence in our communities. These are difficult times for everyone. Families all over the United States and the globe even are struggling to deal with the pressing issues of this pandemic, a physical threat, but also a threat to our social, economic, cultural, and emotional well-being, especially as it relates to our families. As many of us engage in the politics of living, we struggle to find balance to inform our children of what is happening. And for many of us, it's not a choice to keep information away from them. We understand that they must be prepared to engage in the politics of the world. In particular, we may feel the pressures to prepare them because we know that if we do not, the risk of injury is higher. And yet we understand that we cannot parent out of fear. We must still be loving. We must still be happy, encouraging, beautiful people to our children because those are the type of people that we want to support. These moments will pass. Our children will grow up and we want them to be happy. We want them to be beautiful, loving, positive individuals. I thank Terrence and David for sharing their time with me, allowing me to share this conversation with you. I send out gratitude to all of you, the parents, the families, the children, actively engaging in a world that is difficult, yet maintaining yourself positive, beautiful, encouraging, powerful. Thank you. I hope you found this conversation interesting and relevant and take it to your respective circles to continue. Please send me your thoughts, questions, or any feedback you may have to the following email. Comments at dreport.org. You can also check out our archive page, dreport.org, to review past segments. You've been listening to Daniela and Report here on KUCR, the radio station of UC Riverside. Stay safe, stay strong. Join us again next week.